Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Kyle Maloney. I'm the co-host of the Savage Sage podcast. And this morning, I have the privilege of having Anton Schmackoff on the podcast with us today. Um, he is the CEO of Motion Ray. He was previously worked with Google and LinkedIn and is in the big city, the Big Apple of New York City. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show with us, Anton. Hi, Kyle. Thank you for inviting me. Wanted to first look at your kind of your LinkedIn profile. And there's a couple of things that are really interesting to me uh, before we kind of get into the to the question. So technologist, nonconformist, humanist, a relentless problem solver. Can you kind of, you know, share those attributes a bit more about yourself to me? Do we have enough time on this podcast? <laughs> you can take one or two if you want. Fair enough. I mean, let's go one by one. Technologist, I do believe that technology is a force for the better. And I do see there is a lot of opportunities in the world which can be improved with technology. And I've been living with technology and I always strive to find like what is possible and what's going to be next. So it's always been important for me to be kind of part of it intellectually or actually being involved into something which kind of pushes the edge and bringing something new into the world. And me, kind of very much an engineer in mind. My father is an engineer, my brother is an engineer. I kind of grew up doing sort of engineering stuff myself, like obviously I've gone be an engineer by trade. All of those jobs you listed and few before that it was kind of software engineering roles, lead engineers team leads, but ultimately it's all about like doing things, making things. Basically this occupation at Motion is the first time I'm not doing much myself. Uh, before that, it was always kind of being involved specifically like doing the kind of work. What else was there? Uh, nonconformist is kind of, I always felt that I don't fit in whatever I'm doing. It's, it was true since in the American terms with middle school. It's never, I just would never fit in the crowd. My friends was always kind of not really within the school boundaries. I always kind of was hanging out with the older older people. And I was always kind of like, what being done and what's going on like in my circle since society doesn't matter. It never made sense to me. It always felt like I'm out of my... And the way my teenage brain was explaining to me, to myself, is that I just born 50 years before my time. It's just not my, my sort of vibe. I just need to wait out. And my grown-up brain absorb it and said actually it is your time so you just need to push things forward and that's why you're here that's kind of your role so that's kind of how i kind of married my teenage ambitions with a grown-up mindset and i still feel like if you ask me any topic just general password which people discuss today i will probably give you non-conformist position on this like you will never be see that like, i'm aligning this one group or another you just i'm just always going to dive into those things which Makes sense on one side, makes sense on the other side, and like in how form something absolutely different and unique, which I believe is kind of most meaningful from my worldview. Um, and the other two, I already forgot what was what else was there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I mean, so being able to, I mean, you had the humanist and problem solver. Um, oh yeah, so humanist aspect of it again. I do believe. We actually talked a little bit about it right before we started recording that I do believe humanity is fundamentally good. And I think you just need to enable it to do better because we just cut up. Specifically, I think biggest problem is that we suck at building 
complex structures societally. So all so far, even the best examples of it still terrible about how we organize ourselves as a group. Like individually, generally speaking, on average, we're wonderful people, but collectively we just suck terribly. And the reason it would be is that we just not good at it. And so I think technologist aspect of me is actually saying that there is some technological solution which may push us forward and actually create more meaningful society which actually can push us forward. I don't think technology is the answer or the only answer, but I do think it have a place to make to make it better. And the problem solver is kind of like you already I already kind of touched on it through all of what I just talked about. And it's just it's always in my brain. I always trying to solve things. That's what my wife beats me for all the time because I'm trying to solve the simplest thing, and she's just being grumpy about it. Like just do it and don't 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 make it difficult. Just it's fine. <laughs> so. But yes, I always see, if something is broken, I see that it is broken. It's like, it's kind of my idle time. The way I relax and decompress, I just kind of start dwelling on something I saw, thought about, and how, can, how it can be done better. That's wonderful. I, I, um, I'll, I'll go back to those in a second, because uh, I think in general, those type of attributes and traits, what I've noticed is kind of core to people that are entrepreneurs, people that want to think outside of the box people that kind of like want to push the envelope, people that want to kind of move things forward. Yeah, I just think that those are great adjectives that you've described as far as who you are as a person and how you operate. So I'm excited to hear more about Motion Ray. Can you tell me a bit about like kind of your bio um, and how you came onto that path of Motion Ray today? Yeah, so as far as uh, how I ended up doing it, it always, for me, was a question of time when I'm going to do something of my own. It's like it was obvious to me that I have to do something. It wasn't obvious what exactly it's going to be. And Motion Race just happened to land as an opportunity which was hard to pass by at a given moment. <laughs> now you would rethink it because my life got exponentially more difficult since I decided to join this path. But still, still, I'm grateful that it's laid out this way. So as far as my bio goes... Motionary is my seventh occupation. So I had six jobs before that, four startups uh, of different stages from three team people all the way to a few hundred people. And after those four startups, now of those I found it. It's always been somebody else's companies, but I've been kind of like riding with them. And I saw the kind of again, the growth trajectory and like of different sizes of the companies and how it actually plays out. And all of them kind of interesting, important aspect of it. Every single one of them absolutely different vertical. So there is no single two of them which actually intersect with each other, which is fascinating. But after those four startups, as you mentioned, I went to LinkedIn, worked at LinkedIn for a little bit, uh, then moved to Google, spent five years at Google, almost four and a half. And then Motion Ray, how Motion Ray came to be, it's actually 2018. So my uh, my wife and I, so I am from Eastern Europe and my wife is a uh, uh, US citizen. US, she grew up in San Francisco, so she's obviously is American. So all her family and friends are from US and my family and friends are from that part of the world. And we decided to get married and it was, we realized it kind of the only chance we can actually commingle our two completely independent worlds into one. So we decided to make a thing out of it. So we went to Iceland. I rented the fisherman lodge in Iceland for a week for 40 people. And we just kind of called all the close family and friends. And it's probably the single 
advantage I'm most proud of because it played out way above all expectations. People don't even talk each other's language, but it's definitely worked. So like coming in, it was it was a wonderful event. I wish to do the same thing on like our probably 10 year anniversary or something. But anyhow, one of those close family and friends was my college buddy Alex, who came there, stayed for a week, an entire week. He was pitching me emotionally because that was his thing. And so by the end of the week, he convinced me and I was his first angel investor. So I gave him a little bit of cash so he can start focusing he and his uh, uh, teammate at the time. So he's just able to start working emotionally full time. So that's how it all began. In the beginning, I was kind of in an advisory role. So I was uh, helping him to find more team members because I had extensive networks in both uh, Eastern Europe and in the US. It's kind of like connecting him to people who would be relevant to him. And uh, slowly, then like in 2019, May 2019, when the four companies were formally registered, and I was on papers because I was the only one with uh, US citizenship. So I was kind of like co-founder at the time and a director on papers. But I was still kind of both the advisory role. And over time, team growing and most of people in the team was kind of growing out of my network one way or the other, which was kind of interesting. It's like writing as well was slowly more and more apparent. Uh, that for me, it's also a matter of time. And December 2020, so COVID times, is when I decided to make a leap. And the way I reflect on it, so I had at the time one-year-old on my hands, and it was obviously still middle of the pandemic, societal, economic, health crises. I was at Google, very well paid, very secure, best benefits in the country. And I just decided, screw all of that, I'm going to go work for the company, which not only not going to pay me, I'm going to pay the company to employ me <laughs> because it's a startup. <laughs> so that was a phenomenal idea. And obviously... My family was exceptionally excited to support me along the way. <laughs> I'm curious to know how that conversation with your wife played out. <laughs> she, she, I have a wonderful wife who is very supportive. Obviously, it caused a lot of tensions because it's been hard last couple of years. But overall, I know she is on my side. So that's obviously, if you decide to start a company and you have a family, make sure that family is along for the right because there is. It's actually not uncommon. To lose families if you go this path because you're not really like at some point you may be presented the choice which one you go is to continue pushing the company you believe in or do you start supporting your family the way they deserve and it's going to be a very very hard choice and if you feel like your family may not be able to withstand it it's actually very it's like kind of you would ask is it possible like advices this is one of them is like make sure that you have enough of the robustness in your family because it will be stress test a lot on the flip side of it if you go through it it's kind of like one of those if you what you survive makes you stronger but it's, it, it is guaranteed going to be hard that's some sage advice right there <laughs> <laughs> excellent yeah but so yeah so so i quit google in january 2021 joined motion raise a full-time ceo and been at it ever since that's amazing Thanks for sharing that. Um, it's it's interesting to hear about the Iceland trip in general and kind of both of your networks kind of coming together behind how Motion Ray kind of came into existence. So can you tell tell me a bit about Motion Ray, kind of what the problem it's solving, those types of things? Yeah. Uh, do not take too much of this time. I wouldn't give you like entire background because we actually had a major pivot about two years ago into what we do right now. 
So it's like shortly after I joined, because before that we were doing the similar tier for very, very different applications. But what we do right now is there is many ways to look at it. And there is obviously grand visions, how we're going to change the world and all of that. But fundamentally, what it boils down to today is we're making sure that people, specifically small and medium businesses, small and medium enterprises, possibly professionals like yourself, never going to lose internet connection. And the way we do that is our solution aggregates all available internet sources in your area. So if you get our unit, our solution in your office, house, wherever it is, a foot track, what it's going to do, it's going to take in whatever connection is already there. So I assume you have a wired internet from Xfinity or Comcast. So we're going to take this in and then we're going to add all the wireless around you. So it's going to be T-Mobile, TV, Verizon. We can mix in any local Wi-Fi's and any alternative carriers as well. And so we create this bundled version of all the connectivities leveraged at the same time to their best capacities. And as a result, you have this very, very high performance, very stable, very robust channel, which you can rely upon. And two key uh, things which we actually kind of diversify ourselves is, kind of, is what we call a simplicity of the price. Simplicity aspect of it is that uh, what we have can be, you don't need to have any IT expertise. You like never touch technology in your life. You can figure out how to set our stuff up. It's really that simple. Uh, we have a lot of anecdotes how people, again, I have absolutely zero connection to tech and they figure it out themselves. It's literally just screw an antennas, turn it on. In two minutes, blue light shows up, you're done. It means you already have most reliable connection. Nothing else needs to be done. And the other side of simplicity is this, if you ever tried to go to break like to AT&T store to get a SIM card for your hotspot, I recommend to never do it. But if you have tried, you probably know what I'm talking about because it is insanely difficult for no good reasons. Like I myself had it, had this like one anecdote, which like I had a few months ago when I was trying to find the right SIM for my parents-in-law and I spent, I'm doing it professionally for two years and I've done, I know what it is about for a while ago. I spent five hours dealing with AT&T and I couldn't manage to make it work. I just gave up and I just moved on. It's just, that's, it's absurd. And what we do is it's all packaged. You never have to talk to telecoms again. We're going to do all everything for you. It is truly plug and play. Everything done for you. It's all included managed service. And we charge obnoxiously little. So for our device to install it, you're going to spend, I don't know, 800 bucks and you're going to have subscription for a year included into it. And after this, it's going to be about 25 bucks a month. So that's really in the way. So the way it's kind of simplicity and price. And what it highlights, as I was saying, that we go on after SMB, SME sector specifically, is because if you look at it, enterprises figured out that they have to have reliable internet 20 years ago. They knew it's important. It's very crucial for the core business. So all the headquarters, all the important locations, they all wired up with all these very advanced solutions, which again, they figured out 20 years ago, and there's a lot of evolutions of those solutions. Most recent incarnation of it is uh, the buzzword is SD-WAN, software-defined wide area network. You don't need to know what it is. The whole point is it's all enterprise-focused products. There is 15, 20 different competitors in this space doing exactly that, different variations of it. And the fundamental attributes of those solutions is A, they're very expensive, then sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to make it install and make it functional. And B, it's very complex. So you have to have IT staff on board to actually manage all of it and make it all work. So it works great for enterprises, doesn't work for an ice cream truck. 
obviously. And so what we noticed and realized where the opportunity lies is that five years ago, if you're a restaurant and you're losing the internet, you're going to be fine. You can take your orders over the phone. You can accept cash. It's going to be all right. Today, just you just you're done. You're screwed. Like whatever what you do, wherever you are today, if you lose your internet connection, you're screwed. Uh, in case in the example of a restaurant, it means again, no, you cannot close or open tops. You cannot accept new orders. Again, like there's nothing you can do. Most of your customers don't have cash, so that's uh, kind of a huge opportunity. And so our goal is to make it simple so they can install it and affordable. That even again, even this uh, mom and pop shops can consciously outlay enough money to it that it's not going to break the budget. Uh, that's that's basically what we're solving today. And the way there is huge visions about how doing that at scale can actually improve a lot of aspects of our lives, specifically kind of changing the way telecoms function in the first place. Kind of the one thing I would highlight is that telecom right now, globally, it's not specific to US, pretty much every single country is the same way, is that it's just a few players at the top who is kind of have semi-competitive relationship. And as a result, the final product is, let's call it semi-optimal. And like, if you look at the consumer reviews, for example, for the last 30 years, you will, at the end of the like services provided, you're always going to find the telecom services. They always score the list because again, A, obviously there is a technical reason it's complex space, but it's not the only reason why it is so long. And if it's the way, the way they're approaching it and the way we kind of trying to create this ecosystem where everything is connected to everything, we kind of want to make the space way more customer-centric instead of being telecom-centric. And that's kind of our long-term aspirations, what we can achieve with it. That's amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. It makes so much sense. It's completely simple. And it's a way to actually interrupt the market to change the services for the greater good of people um, around the world. So um, all of it's really, really exciting. So yeah, that's amazing. Well, um, at the end of the show, we'll definitely have to let you uh, give kind of all of the details for Motion Ray to make sure that people at the end of the show can be able to kind of access, you know, your contact, business, those types of things uh, to be able to to be able to contact you guys uh, regarding that. So, thank you for sharing that description. That's amazing. Switching into kind of your personal journey a bit, you were at Google with the best benefits, you know, I'll, I'll say best benefits maybe in the country, yeah. Um, and then you're like, you have your friend in Iceland <laughs> that kind of talks you into this opportunity. What what was it that made you kind of like make the jump? You know, it's a very good question. Um, so as I was saying, for me, it always was a question of when, not if, that I need to be in charge of something. And frankly, when I was joining Motionary, I felt like it's primarily. Uh, professional growth opportunities and less about what I can achieve with it. Uh, that's how I was perceiving it. And that's basically was my primary conclusion that I have this team, which I know I can trust because again, it was kind of formed from my network. And I had this opportunity when this team comes to me and says, would you be our CEO? Because again, I've been part, part of it and I had uh, unique advantages, again, being connected, being have best understanding the way how to approach uh, US market in particular. Like, how are the things I can bring to the table? So you're not going to find, not done it before. You're not going to find an opportunity when teams comes, team, a team comes to you who you can trust, who says, go ahead and be a CEO here. So 
So from professional perspective, professional development, it was somewhat of a no-brainer. Again, financial aspect of it was terrible setup, which I'm now paying for uh, very painfully. But from the professional growth opportunity, it was amazing. And then few months in, when I was actually not involved just a few hours a week as I was before as an advisory role, but actually being full-time and I actually kind of like deep dive and kind of pipe entirety of the stories through myself, I realized there is actually, it's not just about professional growth, it actually can be the thing which I want to build because there is a lot, as I was just talking about, it's that there is a lot of elements were not obvious to me, which now what I'm telling became this vision. But now as this vision emerges, like, yeah, if I can achieve this, I can retire. I will be happy because like, if I can change one and a half trillion dollar telecom market and function it in a way which is going to benefit everyone around the world, I think I've done enough. <laughs> that sort of deal. So it's like, it's, it's, it's completely changed the perspective from that. Like I became way more passionate about the product as I kept like dive into it and made it more personal and like get a lot of influence about where we can steer it towards. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Uh, the way that I kind of like, so I'm, you know, I'm new to the role at here at full stack. And so, uh, what we do is we we essentially help startup provide people support for their company. So payroll, we do health benefits, we do HR consulting, those types of things. And you know, similar to what you said, like it's just like yeah, like I core believe in what we do specifically for startup and scale ups. And so like I'm just like the more that I embody, like kind of what I heard you say, like embody your role you know, with you within your company. And then my role, it like, it makes all the difference in the world to kind of see where it can go and kind of put legs and vision onto it. So I feel like when, when the vision comes, you know, you're in a really, really good spot, you know? Definitely. That's, that's what keeps you driving through the tough, tough, tough spots because like the, you can talk on the podcast, how long about how much of a roller coaster the startup life is. Unless you go through it, you don't really appreciate it. It's like, it's shaking you through ups and downs in such a short period of times. It's, you feel like around the like eighth, ninth turn, you're going to be like kind of disassociated from it a little bit. So it doesn't hit you as hard, but it's still going to find new ways how it's going to hit you even harder. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's definitely, and through those downs, just thinking about apps not gonna not gonna carry you. You need to have something have something to hold on to it and like believe in what you do in the vision is definitely exceptionally powerful tool. It may not be enough, but it's definitely one of the strongest tools you can have. Yeah. That's I think there's another, you know, point two for sage advice there. <laughs> um so, I mean, a lot of what we talk about, like in the entrepreneur community has to do with, you know, kind of the early stages of building a company, you know, building Motion Ray and kind of the demand that is on you, you know, physically, emotionally, you know, all of those ways, professionally. Can you describe what it was like as Motion Ray got started and kind of the demand that was there? Oh, well, when it got started, it felt like we figured everything out. Because it was, I had pretty good theoretical understanding of general how I get it. Going through the past all different companies, I also had a kind of MBA light, what I call you from, uh, from I call it from UC Berkeley, general digital professional program. And I also been again, very ingrained in the space, following very closely. So it's very, I had pretty strong 
theoretical framework, how this stuff works and what needs to be done to make it happen. And then you being thrown into it or rather throw yourself into it. And then all of a sudden you figure out that like, yeah, you may know all the things, but turns out doing those things is very different from knowing them. <laughs> and I think the biggest highlight for me from that perspective is that kind of before I was got myself involved with emotionary, sometimes at interviews or just in general conversation, I would get the question like, what would what was like your biggest professional mistake of your career, stuff like that. And I always felt like I'm a like uh, ignorant ass of sorts, a kind of like overcompetent ass because I really couldn't point like very obvious issue ahead. Like I really like made a mistake which learned, made me learn a lot. Like there's like a lot of tactical ones, they're inevitable, especially from engineering. Like, but you kind of, it doesn't stand out. And then I joined Motion Ray and now I probably have enough material for, for like a 10, book of 10 series. <laughs> it's just like, like I made so many mistakes and like a lot of them when you feel like you, when you realize that you pushed beyond your limits is when you see you're making a mistake, you know very well you're making a mistake, but you still do it. It's kind of like in tennis, kind of the forced mistakes. And you like, you know what's, that's what's happening and you're still going into it. That's kind of, you know, that you like, you're definitely pushing yourself to the point where no matter what happened afterwards, at least you're growing. So that's kind of like, is like all failures experiences, what they call. So, <laughs> well, let's, let's roll with that. But so, yeah, so came into motion rate knowing that like, okay, you just need to draft, basically figure out the story, talk to the right people, get the right investors with the right money, and all like one after another is going to fly. Turns out, uh, not quite as simple. <laughs> <laughs> we had one of our guests talk about the experience you get from being a founder or CEO of a company. And they're like, you want to talk about an MBA program, you know, like, I mean, it's just kind of like the amount of experience you get, it's you know, yeah. entrepreneur, it's like, it's really hard to put it into, into words. It, it's definitely, I mean, there are other experiences in life, which can push you to the limits and entrepreneur is not the only way to get it for sure, but it is out there. Like it's gonna, like, is it the way? Also, like one of the wisdoms I spread is that like the way it's gonna push you, you know your limits, you know that you can push above your limits, and then it's like over there is where you're actually gonna be pushed, and you think it's at the bottom, and then there are gonna be three layers below, and it's gonna it's gonna continue giving, continue pushing in more and more and more, and it's like way beyond that you even imagined is possible that you can actually be pushed towards, and it's still gonna gonna continue happening. And like just going through it professionally, obviously it gives you a very different perspective on the like how the things work, how how do you engage your team, how do you, people relationships, the uh, development of the like all different aspects. This is definitely uh inseparable experience. And like again, that's why coming back to the investor conversations, that's why all investors prefer to invest in the second time founders and not the first time founders. Because they know that all of this will already been learned, and it's definitely it. You cannot put it in words what exactly you learn. It's kind of similar to the like bike riding. You can read a lot of books about, watch a lot of videos how to ride a bike, but the first time you sit on it, you're inevitably going to crash and break your face. <laughs> it's just how it's going to fly, and it's very very similar here. Like the question is, can you kind of learn fast enough to stabilize and take make a thing out of it, or you kind of run out of time, which is also fascinating. That like one is also very important aspect of it you're always on the 
timer, how much time you have to get to the point you need to go. But at the same time, even those deadlines is just a question. Is it a deadline and you switch or is it a deadline where you pick the next layer of the bottom I just talked about? <laughs> because those deadlines mean you're just going to have to go even deeper in your limits to kind of go, to go out. And that is the ultimate balance. Like how far can you go off your center to get to the point? And again, that's what keeps you, like, is it enough for you to keep you driven so we can get so much off center but still get out of it on top and that's for us it's still the open question to be to be kind of upfront about it we still very much have a lot of very very basically endless stream of validations that what we do is definitely the right path but at the same time a lot of signals that we may not make it and it's going to be like it's just inevitable struggle of an early stage company but so this is just professionally but also when you go through this process the personal also, you all of a sudden can re, re arrange your personal priorities, personal beliefs, like who you are as a person. It's definitely changed me a lot, especially this year. This year probably was the hardest in my life, as far as like how is, how is a lot of it is because of the emotion rate, how far it pushed me, but obviously there was other aspects of it. And as a result, you reassess a lot of your core beliefs, reassess who you are. Like for me specifically, Kind of as I like to present is that I spend my twenties looking for my fights, my my uh, limits, my about. limits. Like so, so kind of the way the way the way I think person need to exist in the world is that like you have your set of principles and you need to kind of exert extra energy to defend those principles, to stand by them. And like even if it takes, it makes your life harder. But if you stand for something. It's like ultimately, definitely the way you want to begin. I kind of my biggest internal and external enemy is a complacency, and I just I that's, that's just it's my personal belief. It's all the worst thing coming out of complacency, and I just whenever I see it myself, I want to squash it as much as I can, and whenever I see it in others, I'm like I want to address it in one way or the other. And definitely, again, it's inevitable because it's how humans are built. They, you want to preserve your energy and preserving energy is being conservative. As soon as you're being conservative with your energy, all of a sudden you become complacent as the way things done. And as soon as you become complacent, all of a sudden you start doing at the best things inefficiently from the like overall grand scheme of things. At the worst, you're doing something terribly wrong, which actually propagates things which are uh, absolutely dis- disconnected from your core beliefs and principles. Coming back to my story, is that like for my 20s, I spent looking for those limits and kind of fighting those righteous fights, which would defend my principles. And I kind of I always felt that the person can give much more than the than average person used to. Like you can do way more than just your day work, day job, way more than your day job plus your family. There is more you can kind of stand upon. And my 30s, like last couple of years, basically, uh, I realized I found those limits and now I need to offload all of those kind of like, yeah, I have those principles. Now I realize like I cannot find all of, fight for all of them. I just need to pick and choose which actually matter and I can actually push the needle. And everything else is just being very honest with yourself about like what you not giving up, but we give it, but stop fighting for because it's like one thing is defending your principles and another thing is actually making a difference. And if you're doing fighting your principles without making any difference, it's kind of it's self-righteous without any actual positive outcome. So basically wasting your own energy. And that's like, well, like actually like last few months, I was just going through very, very intense cleans and like, what do I need to drop out of my system and what I can actually focus on? 
And for me right now, basically, it's two major ones, which is what I'm doing with motion and what kind of difference we can bring about. And obviously, the second one is my family and how much I can, I can and want to contribute to. Because yeah, I have two small daughters. I have a loving wife who has been very incredible in supporting me and giving up a lot of sure ambitions in order for me to actually do what I do. And kind of like, I need to give back and I know that's what I, who I want to be. And that's, again, some of those less important fights can be take a back seat until I figure this stuff out. Then we will see what I'm going to pick up next. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's another piece of sage advice. I mean, the way that I've framed it up in my mind has been like in my youth, like I definitely thought that I I needed to, or I had the energy to take on all of those fights. Um, but as I've grown older, it's not that my capacities, my, I would say like the spark is less, you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean my capacity is less. It just looks different, you know? And so being able to prioritize not seven things, but two or three things like that's, that's a healthier perspective, <laughs> you know? For sure. So again, just want to say thank you for sharing that. That was, that was excellent. So a couple more questions here. These are kind of more reflective, and I think we've you know sprinkled these out through the conversation. But how do you recharge? Um, we talked a lot about like the pace. We talked about the demands, how it stretches you farther than you think that you could go. Um, do you pull back? Do you recharge? What does that look like for you? So. Right now, I'm running on very, very deep depth, uh, depth to myself about recharging. I definitely right now going through the period where I need a recharge, but I cannot afford it. Hopefully, I will be able to afford it soon. And so that's, for me, it's like, just plug yourself off as much as you can. Like, you just need to be, need to remove yourself, not just from day to day, but just don't be part of it. Pack your family, go in a place you haven't been to before and turn off your phone and spend the week there to whatever whatever you're doing, whatever you're up to. And that's completely change the mindset and what is your day-to-day. That's 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 the way, the most the fastest way to kind of get like big recharge from the like if you're gonna rely just on those, it's not gonna be enough, not gonna carry you through. So you need to have some sort of different approaches throughout, like is through your weekdays, through weekends if you have those <laughs> so you kind of do you need to you need to different things and that's yeah for me for me big i trying to keep weekends as sacred as possible so i don't i know i could do way more but i know that if i would it's actually would result in way less on the other side because there is only so much you can actually push through and if you keep you so basically i'm practicing very similar approach in the weekends when i'm doing as little if any work-related activities as possible and I just spend the time with my family do whatever seems right taking my daughter to the swim class going to see a performance going to take a hike just something which is not what you do every day that's that definitely helps to reset that's great and then the last question uh, before we kind of share like if people wanted to get in contact with you regarding motion ray uh, what sage advice would you offer a new entrepreneur that's just launching you know they're they're just saying hey i want to go after it and what would you offer them i if you would have a conversation i probably would generate you a few dozens of very important lessons and learned it would be very relevant but i think the number one thing find the find the co-founder 
do whatever, whatever it takes. Don't start it yourself finding a founder because it is not just twice as hard. It is several times as hard to do it yourself. If you have a, like, if ideally that co-founder would be like your, the way you would choose a co-founder would be either somebody who is passionate about what you want to do and you're very, very aligned on your values, or it could be someone who is perfectly complements your skill sets. Ideally, it would be both. doesn't have to be both, but definitely you have to have a co-founder who would be at least like comparable amount of uh, responsibility on them as well. So you don't carry it all by yourself because if you try to carry it all by yourself, there are success stories, but I don't recommend. <laughs> yeah, Find a co-founder. And step number one, everything else will come. That's great. That's another piece of sage advice. You don't have to do it alone. And probably it's better that you don't. It's better than you don't. And it's also like if you cannot find a co-founder, maybe you it doesn't force doing it in the first place. Maybe you kind of already kind of it's very first validation for yourself that you can convince somebody to do it with you. And if you can convince somebody to do it with you, then it's way easier going to be because ultimately your early stage startup is like especially if it's a tech startup, is about you need to convince enough people that what you do is actually relevant. And there's enough people, it's where everyone's going to be different, but it's ultimately this enough people is what converts into investors, what converts into customers, what converts into traction, what converts ultimately into successful business. And if you cannot convince a first person, like what are you talking even about? It's just, it's, it's already done. Yeah. All right, Anton, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, can If people are interested in Motion Ray, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Or visit your website. Yeah, the, the easiest one would be mrnet.us. So it's motionrainnetworks.us, mrnet, misternet.us, uh, some some people would say. And for me personally, it's a that last name, Shmakov at mrnet.us. Oh, okay, just you can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's also easy. I usually responsive there. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you again for being a, a, a on the podcast and for sharing uh, your story and uh, the stage advice that you provided to us and other entrepreneurs. I know that that will be really beneficial uh, for them. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Kyle. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.